Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen.
Or so he says on the rare occasions when we catch one another on the phone. He has his he had his priorities when I was young, and now I have mine. I'm in jail. And my primary concern is my trial. I'm sure he understands. I always did. I don't remember much of him in the early days except that he was my hero. I recall stories I used to tell other kids about how important and how powerful of a man he was. He used to fly in on a moment's notice that see him for a few precious hours, and then he was gone. Such is the innocence of youth that when he called, always a few weeks after Christmas or my birthday, and told me that the package that I'd never received must have gotten lost in the mail. I believed him wholeheartedly. Until I was 13 or 14 years old, I was afraid to mail a letter because I was afraid that would be the fate of my parcel. The road from realization to acceptance is a lot longer than it looks. I've been on it for the past five years, and I'm not all that far from where I started. My father and I have a hard journey ahead of us, provided we can find the time. There's sorrow in his voice when we discuss the past, and I know that if he had it to do over, he'd do his best to do it right. Second chances are few, and it's much easier to do it right the first time. My dad loved me as only a father can love a son. I don't question that. But he was also self-centered and let me down when I needed him the most. A part of me will always be that kid at the window waiting and waiting with his nose pressed against the glass, knowing that if Dad said he was coming, he's coming. But waking up curled beneath the window alone. I love my father. But looking in the mirror sometimes, I get a little scared. We're just so much alike. Father's Day is a few months away. There are a lot of kids thinking about their heroes and a lot of heroes thinking about their kids. Probably there are many kids who don't see too much of that. If I'm lucky, a handful of those fathers are reading this letter. Your kids will love you whether you make it or not. That's the nature of being their hero. But maybe you should take the time to consider how important whatever else you have planned is. We do grow up fast. That's right. Just ask my dad. Or better yet, ask your Signed Travis Simpkins, age 20, Fulton County Jail, Atlanta, Georgia. So we see the result of another fellow father. Sad tale of another man who refused to follow God's plan for the family. Fruit came to another man that didn't know heaven at his home. And the sad thing is their their fathers missing from families today. Their dads who simply refuse to be a positive influence on their children. Or worse yet, there won't be any kind of influence because they're just not there. You know, I've been talking about absentee fathers for just a few minutes. And and, and there, there are fathers that are gone and that refuse to be present in their children's lives and go on, you know, it's the society that we live in. 
single parent homes weren't wasn't really a thing in, until the 1960s, and then it just exploded. But I won't get into the into that today. But there's absentee fathers, and then there's fathers who are there, but they're not there. You know the ones, the ones that are always too busy to spend time with the children. I was one of those fathers. When, when my kids were small, I worked. And I worked and worked. So I wanted their mother to be home with them, so I had to work to make up, to make enough money for mom to be home. And it was a struggle. And I missed out on a lot of things. You know, I, I, I was present, I was there. I went to work, I came home every day, but I was so exhausted that I didn't enjoy my kids. And, and especially being a minister, by, by the time that you work all the hours and then you come home and you have everything you have to do for the church, yes. it begins to be a slippery slope. Yes, sir. And you got to be sure that you keep things in priority. And so we have to get those, those things together, but you know, things we have to do for the church, but should be at the expense of our family. Amen. Amen. You know, becoming a father was one of the greatest blessings of my life, one of the greatest experiences that I, I, I've ever had. I was 20 years old when the tissue was born. I was a baby myself. She came into the world six weeks premature. She weighed four pounds, three ounces. And we didn't just bring her home from the hospital right away. There wasn't anything physically wrong with her. She was physically fine. But she didn't know how to eat. She didn't know how to take a bottle. So here we are, you know. Mom gets to go home after three days, and so we gotta go to the hospital every day, you know. And visit, we go back to the hospital that first day, we walk in and Letitia is pinned down to her bed. They've got a cloth diaper over her and she's just pinned to the bed. Why is our baby tied down? And of course, you know she was in the bed because she was so little. And, and, and because she won't be still. She still won't be still. She's 34 years old. She still won't be still. <laughs> she won't be still. We went in there earlier and she was turned sideways in the crib with her face up against the glass. We had to do something to keep her from pulling the feeding tube out of her nose. But we go in and she's got a piece of tape across her face. Why she got a piece of tape across her face? Well, we've got to teach her how to take a bottle. So they took a cream nipple, you know how small those things are. And they put the put a stopper in it. Yes. Made a pacifier for her and taped it in her mouth. Mm -hmm. But she'll learn how to take a bottle. 
let me tell you, you do not want to lose that thing because they don't sell anything that small in the store. Right. I lost it. In Kmart. <laughs> so this child was screaming her head off and we had to go back to the hospital and have them make us another one and make us a spare. And she became hooked on her pacifier. Oh. When it became when it came time for us to break her from her pacifier, we had we would take them and we would throw them all away. And five minutes later, she comes walking around the corner with a pacifier in her mouth. <laughs> it took us two and a half months to get all the pacifiers that she had hit around the house. <laughs> so it was 10 days of going to the hospital every day, visiting with her before she finally got to come home. But when she came home, then the learning experiences began. Yes. I did not realize that anything that small could make that much noise and make something that smelled that bad. Right. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. <laughs> I didn't know then. I know now. I learned. When Sarah came along a few years later, now she was easy. You realize that your first kid is the experiment. Yes. yes. When the second one comes along, you know what you can do and what you can't do and what will kill them and what won't. <laughs> right. And so the second one comes along easy. You know, they were two different kids and they still are. They're two completely different personalities. I wouldn't take anything for them. Did I do everything right raising them? No. Did they do everything right as children growing up? No. We all have our faults. We all have shortcomings. That's right. So I lived and I learned and I raised two girls. Raising two girls does not prepare you for a teenage boy. And Shannon and I started dating, Shane told her we were, we were going somewhere and I pulled the car into a gas station. I ran in to get something and was coming back out. And, and in the short time that I was in the store, Shane was sitting in the back seat and he said, Mom, I've got to tell you something. But I'm not going to call him Dad. You don't have to. The name Carol, call him Carol. That was the end of the conversation. And I didn't try to be Shane's dad. Amen. But I treated them just like I treated my girls. Right. And loved him like I treated my girls. Amen. You know what happened? He still calls me Daryl. <laughs> in my face. But if he's talking to anybody else, any of his friends, anybody else on that. People on the step that these most people on the deck. And that's just because I love him. Mm -hmm. And I care for him. Amen. And I didn't try to be his dad. The sort of wasn't dead. Right. 
But this morning, I want to get the word just for a few minutes. I want to talk about a dad. The man I'm going to talk about today, you know, his backdrop is greatness. There isn't much of him recorded in Scripture. But I believe that when we get to heaven, he's going to be highly honored. The man I'm going to talk about today is Joseph. He was a good man. He was a hardworking man. He was a carpenter. And we don't find him mentioned in the scripture at all after Jesus is 12 years old. So we don't know when Joseph passed away. We don't know when he went to be with the Lord. We, we, we don't know when that happened because he's not mentioned after Jesus was 12 years old and they lost him. But Joseph was the man that God chose for Jesus to call daddy. Amen. You imagine that a man called daddy by the manifested son of God. Mm -hmm. God manifested in the flesh called him. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, let's turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to spend most of our time here in Matthew chapter 1. We're not going to keep you long today. But we want you to be able to go and enjoy and spend time with your family. But Matthew chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. says a little bit about Joseph's ancestry about Jesus' ancestry on Joseph's side of the family. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Verse 17. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. The ancestry of Joseph is divided into three fourteen. And each one of them embracing an error. Each one ended in a notable event. That was a common way for the Jews to be able to remember things. Well, it started here and it ended at this event. It started here and it ended at this event. And so there was a covenant that was made. The promise started with Abraham. That's where Joseph's lineage started at. Began at Abraham. Genesis 12, 3 says, I bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. This is the beginning of Joseph. The beginning of his lineage. Galatians 3, 8 says this, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. So God made a covenant with Abraham and told him, I will bless you. And in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Well, how is that? Because God knew that Jesus was going to come through the lineage of Abraham and Jesus was going to be the Savior of the whole world and we were all going to be blessed because we had the opportunity to know salvation through Jesus Christ and his finished work on Calvary. Mm -hmm. 
But the covenant there started in, and it was continued through Jacob and then through to Judah. Jacob on his deathbed in Genesis 49 and 10 said, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And we're waiting for him to gather us. But was brought down, continued through them, and confirmed through David. David was made this promise, 2 Samuel 7, 16. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Where is Jesus going to rule and reign now? From David's throne in Jerusalem. So it was confirmed through David, but it was clarified through prophecy. Jeremiah 23 and 5 says, Behold, the days come, said the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our Righteous. And so all these promises, this covenant was made and it was brought down and it was confirmed and it was continued and, and it was prophesied, it was clarified, but then it was completed. Luke chapter 1, verse 32. It says, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Jesus had the right of ancestry to the throne of David through Joseph and Mary. Through both sides of his family, he was guaranteed the throne. He had the right to access but where's it going to happen at? You find in Matthew chapter 2 and, and, and Luke, or Matthew, yeah, Matthew chapter 2 and 1 and Luke 2 and 4 talks about the city. What city? Bethlehem. The place has been announced, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephraim, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth to me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. The plan of God didn't fail and it never will. All the way down to the smallest detail. You don't think that God cares about you and about what's going on in life? God cares about everything that's happening. Everything that you've got going on, all the way down to the smallest minute little detail. Amen. So we've got the promise, we've got the city, we've got everything going on, but then what happens? We've learned about Joseph's ancestry. Let's talk a little bit about his affection. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. 
His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now here's the thing. Joseph was a man of commitment. He was betrothed. And he was faithful to her. And you, you got to understand this. It wasn't a matter of just breaking off an engagement. You know, nowadays, you, you see people, they, they get engaged and married 14, or engaged and break off engagement 14 times in a year. But back then, it wasn't a matter of just breaking off an engagement. Joseph was called her husband. Betrothal with, with the Jews was a serious matter. It wasn't like they entered into it. It wasn't like they broke it. It wasn't just engagement. It was covenant of marriage. They were legally bound. When the arrangement was made for them to come together to be husband and wife, husband and wife the contract was done. So just that informal canceling of betrothal is impossible. I said, you know, engagement in our culture can be broken easily. You know, hey, yeah, we're not getting married. It wasn't true of betrothal. Covenant was in place and break. The covenant meant that you were in adultery. Mm -hmm. And adultery was punishable by death. Joseph was a man of conviction. He was a just man. He was just. He was righteous. And he followed the law. He knew that the Old Testament scripture said in Leviticus 20 and 10, the adulterer and the adulteress shall both be surely put to death. But Joseph was a man of compassion. Can you imagine the shock? Yeah, I'm getting things together. We're getting ready to get married. I'm preparing the bridal suite and getting ready. Joseph, I gotta tell you something. I'm pregnant. What? Mm -hmm. She was found with child. He couldn't understand. But I made a promise to you. You made a promise to me. Yes. How could this be? How could this happen? We have we haven't been together, so how in the world? But the Holy Ghost placed within the chosen virgin the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. There wasn't any other way for him being born because if he had been born of a sinful father, mm -hmm. how could he have possessed the sinless nature he could have? That's he right. would have had the nature of his father. That's right. He was born of a woman that he could be human. but not by man that he could be sinless. Genesis 3.15 talks about the seed of the woman. And Joseph had sympathy. He could choose rejection or mercy.
verse 19 we read a few minutes ago because Joseph's husband was faithful to the law and yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her privately. He was a man of chastity. He lived according to God's instructions. He made a covenant to her and he took her as his wife. He took on the full responsibilities of being a husband. He kept their purity until after the birth of Jesus. Matthew 1.25 says, But he didn't consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So what was Joseph's attitude? And he had already considered it. Here, here he is. He's found out that the, the woman that he is betrothed to, his wife, is pregnant by somebody else. Okay, well, I, I can take it. We can go somewhere else. I can put her away privately and nobody will ever have to know and she can live and the baby can live and everything will be okay. Right. But then here it is, verse 20 of the first chapter of Matthew. It says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary at home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So here he is. He finds out that his wife was pregnant with somebody else's child. And he's thinking about getting rid of her, thinking about divorcing her, and he goes to sleep. And you know that sleep probably had to come not too easy that night. But when he finally went to sleep, he had a dream and an angel appears to him in his dream tells him, come here, take her home, be your husband. And this is exactly what happened. He was trusting enough to believe that the baby was of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Most including us, what is it? Yeah, right. Yeah. I do not believe that. Had never occurred before. Joseph's dad had never talked to him and told him, son, this could happen. All right. But he was willing to raise God's son as his own. Matthew 1, 21 through 23 says, she'll give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. The father named the child. Always back there. They would go to the circumcision. They were named on the eighth day. And, and the priest before the child was circumcised would ask, what's his name? 
and you're going to give them the name Jesus because it saved his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here we are. He was told the name of the child. You're going to name him Jesus. You hold his salvation. He wasn't named after a forefather. A lot of people were, in that day, were named after somebody in the family before him. He wasn't. So his name's Jesus. He was told what the child would do. He's going to save. He's going to save the people from the sin. He was told, told who the child was. He, he's God with us. He's the Son of God. <coughs> this thing that, that is born of Mary is the Son of God. He gave Jesus his earthly trade. He trained him to be a carpenter. Imagine having Jesus come to your house and build you a table. Hanging on. Mark 6, 3, Jesus was called a carpenter. <coughs> you know, whenever Jesus went, went to Nazareth, you know, where God said he couldn't do many mighty works there. Yes. And everybody's looking at him and saying, Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son of her? Right. Joseph was obedient to every move that he was told to make. Matthew 1 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He woke up, he did what he was told to do. He took Mary, who was carrying somebody else's child. And he takes her home and takes full responsibility for her and for the baby and, and, and for raising him and, and for teaching him. You know, Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. His Heavenly Father taught him everything that, that he needed to know to be the Son of God. But he had to have an earthly father to teach him how to be a man. And how to be a man of honor. And so I believe Joseph will be revered in heaven. That yeah. one of the greatest and godliest men in human history. God, God, just because of what happened here, you know that God could have placed Joseph in any position and he would have came out obedient and on top. He would have been found faithful. He was still a man. He still needed a Savior. And the only way that that could happen is through the, the sinless sacrifice of Jesus. That's why he couldn't have been Jesus' natural father. The seed that impregnated Mary was without sin. It was of God. But God chose to use Joseph. A just man, a righteous man, a good man to raise Christ in the earth. So I just wanted you to know a few things about Joseph today. 
the man of God in the flesh called that. And know that whatever place that God has you, be faithful. Do the things that God has called you to do. Be obedient to the Spirit of the Lord. When, when the Lord speaks to you and tells you things, listen. Be obedient. Hear what He has to say. Yes. Yes. And always follow that. But we can't close down our Father's Day message without just a little bit of fun. Got a few quotes I want to read. This is from Jerry Seinfeld. I know the actor Jerry Seinfeld. He said, You can tell the best year of your father's life because they seem to freeze that year and wear the clothes from that era for the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Comedian Rita Redner said this. I gave my father a hundred dollars and said, buy yourself something that will make your life easier. He went and bought my mother a gift. <laughs> Mark Twain. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant. I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned. <laughs> Dave Barry said this. said, remember, what that really wants is a nap. <laughs> really. A teenager shouted at his dad, it's not your job to embarrass me. The dad replied back, I know, it's one perks. <laughs> But happy Father's Day, everyone. My family on Facebook Live, happy Father's Day. We love you and we appreciate you. Amen. Hallelujah. Enjoy your father. Celebrate your father. Love on Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.